Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Exurgat deus disipentur nemici eius et fugiancio derunteu ma facia eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let all those who hate him flee from before his face. I just watched a Remnant TV episode from the Remnant Underground, and I just want to welcome Michael Matt to the conclusion I drew several months back. Welcome. You're not alone. There are others, although not many, who have finally reached this conclusion. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Archangel, defendenos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias, diaboli esto praesidium. Imperatili Deus, suplegis deprecamur, tu que princeps militae calestis, satana malios que spiritus malignos que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum detrude. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissimum, miserere nobis, Mater Dolorosa, ora pro nobis, Beatis Carolus Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Oh, I'm sitting there wondering, I'm just like, wow, it seems really loud in here, and then I realize that one of my fans is on maximum power. Before I get started talking about today's episode, you know, actually, well, I guess the discussion for today, um, I would ask that you guys pray for me. I just got put in a position that I knew would come eventually, I just didn't think was going to come this quickly. And I have... I have to somehow make sure that I make the most correct decision... And that I'm not cowed into cowardice, but that the choice that I make is actually correct. It would seem that my faith, my convictions, have just been challenged in a way 
that I did not expect. And I certainly did not expect it to come in the form that it did. Although I knew eventually somebody was going to make the mistake and actually push the button. Because this is a godless time. So pray for me if you would. That I make the correct decision. That I make the decision that most honors God. Because while I'm generally of a sanguine and phlegmatic personality type, I do get hot flashes of choleric impulse that don't quite burn out when a true injustice has been made. So pray for me that I don't allow the decision to be irrationally angry nor something that I try to shield with the, with the umbrella of prudence that is actually cowardice. It is a really tough decision that I'm going to have to make. And I have to make it quickly. Because otherwise, well, then I can't really say that I have principles. <clears throat> Feels like a needle I didn't want to thread. Anyway. As for everything else, it would seem the tide is beginning to turn. Now you have some people, like Glenn Beck or Stu Gear or actually most of the more uh, mainstream, I'm going to say mainstream, I mean Glenn Beck isn't really in the mainstream so much anymore, uh, but a lot more of the mainstream people are starting to realize that things are getting very, very tenuous. And it does not look like there's going to be any attempt at genuine deceleration made by anyone. Now, I'll tell you, flat out, I'm an accelerationist because I believe that, the, that if you pull the bandage off quickly, you actually reduce the total collateral damage. And this is, in fact, a genuine belief of mine. I've said it actually, I think several times over the last few weeks, that it would be better for us to go ahead and prepare and execute a war now than to allow things to decay, quote-unquote, slowly over time. The unfortunate thing is, is the recent revelations from last week with um, with all of the information from the Deagle report, which is what I was actually referencing, D-E-A-G-E-L, report from 2017, I think, the um, <clears throat> the information I was referencing from the Deagle report with the hat tip to the Macro Aggressions podcast kind of basically backed me in a corner. And here's and so here's basically what it was looking like. Two weeks ago, when I looked out across the scenario, it looked like we had two choices, and both of them were basically bad. We begin a civil uprising now. Allow ourselves to coalesce into allied forces now, before the various governments get an opportunity to really realize what's happening and to really move all of their masses into place. We execute the civil war immediately, and over the course of the next five years, we lose maybe six or seven million people. 
Now, why would you do such a thing? Six million, seven million fatalities and probably tens of millions of more, more casualties. That sounds horrifying, doesn't it? And to be sure, it is, without a doubt. I don't look forward to a war like that. I really don't. But that's the choice on one side. We, we activate now. We begin moving now. And we, and we expect to lose somewhere between 6 and 10 million Americans and somewhere to the realm of about 12 to 18 million more who are wounded, both psychologically and physically. Sounds horrifying. Up to 24 million casualties, possibly. Casualties and dead, wounded and dead. <clears throat> horrifying. But that certainly, certainly and without a doubt is better than allowing them to put all of these things into place. Then, because here's the thing, there are going to, there's going to be resistance, of course. There's resistance in Belgium, or excuse, yeah, in Belgium, in the Netherlands, in France, in Italy. There's resistance rebrewing in Canada. The uh, government of Saskatchewan has told the federal government that if they attempt to send federal agents Canadian federal agents into their region, they risk being arrested. That, of course, is a very thick, bold red line. You cross this red line and you're running the risk of a retaliation that you are probably not prepared for. Okay. That's what seems to be on the table. That's what seems to be occurring around the world. Sri Lanka has just forced its government pretty much out of the country. Why? Because they did exactly what Canada is about to do, what America is thinking about doing, what the Netherlands is doing, what France is doing, what Spain and Italy, etc., etc., what the West is doing. Sri Lanka's already done it. A lot of us have looked across. We said, wait a minute, that's not the way to go. And so now resistance is beginning to build up as in particular, <clears throat> as if in a ridiculous redo from the Bolshevik revolution, as people begin to look at farmers as the bad guys. Further exacerbated, of course, in the United States, Amos, the, the Pennsylvania Dutch farmer, the Amish guy, who's been trying, who has managed to successfully navigate his way around all of these crazy things, and then they get two cases of listeria because he sells unpasteurized milk, raw milk, and all of a sudden, the government wham like a hammer, and you know they wanted to because of the swiftness that they did. And of course, it's a warning shot. It's a warning shot that yes, in fact, this too can happen within the United States of America, the ever so-called land of the free. And for, the, and for the great number of people who aren't really paying attention to this, who maybe don't know what's going on with Amos the farmer, who maybe just to sort of, you know, happen to be watching Fox News, they go, oh, Shia LaBeouf became a Catholic. Oh, interesting. Oh, he's filming, a, he's filming a movie about a Catholic saint. Well, maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe this is a money grab. Completely oblivious to the other things in this world that would actually be coming to pass that are actually coming to pass, never once wondering, why is, it, why is everything so confusing? 
And why do some of these people who seem so crazy seem so certain? Because here's the thing. You look at Shia LaBeouf, and, and he was tentative about the way he approached his interview with Bishop Barron. Okay, cool. But while he was tentative in the way he approached the discussion, the kid's a good actor, but he gave the most convincing performance of his life in that interview. There were things that you could tell were bubbling up out of him that wasn't being fed to him because if they were being fed to him, he would have had the language. If he was just reading off lines, if that wasn't coming from the heart, then he would have said words like transcendent. He didn't say transcendent. He said, the Latin mass affects me deeply, deeply. I believed, but now there's a connection. It feels like they're not selling me a car. Does any of that sound like theological language? I mean, the closest you get is, I believe, but, there, but, but there's a connection. Like, a, <laughs> those of us in the Catholic space know, without a doubt, the right words he was actually looking for. In fact, actually, I think it was very, the, pretty much like the next day, Kennedy Hall actually came out with a Kennedy report and came out and blatantly actually said, it sounded like he was talking about this and this and this and this and this, and he laid out the actual Catholic vocabulary for the proper context of what Shia LaBeouf was saying. Where's the beef? In the Catholic Church, apparently, which is pretty awesome. <clears throat> it was because he didn't have the right words to express the ideas that he was trying to express. Anybody who actually looks at it, like the way he's talking, he kind of, you know, he alternates between defense, defensive positioning, like with, with the way he's sitting in the chair, kind of, you know, across his arms, leans back, um, particularly when he was being questioned. And then when he came out, his arms would immediately come, un come unfolded, and you could see him putting all of the ideas up there in the air in front of him as he was trying to name off and identify what it was that was going on. Now, there might have been a little bit of Mel Gibson in the background going, "Hey kid, you're about Hey kid, you're about to interview with Bishop Barron and he's one of the vipers." Which may be precisely why he was as reserved as he was. Most people don't notice didn't notice it. You go back, you look, you see the video clips, you'd be like, "You can simply tell that there is something. There's something there." A lot of us, and I noticed it in the Catholic social media spaces, a lot of us didn't really want to believe it. I get it. In all honesty, it's just an anomaly to me. A single anomaly. The problem is, is that I don't look at anything like it's just a single anomaly. There's a Padre Pio movie come out. You think that's by accident? Seriously, do you think that's by accident? Do you think it's by accident? That this kid, who has an incredibly interesting history with Hollywood, do you think it's coincidental that now, 
Because here's the thing, even if he only converted because he was finally exposed to the faith because he was studying Padre Pio, don't you think it's interesting that he would be studying that he would be the actor? I mean, to be sure, I want you to just kind of picture it in your mind for just a moment. Look up, picture, look up pictures of him, and you tell me, does he look like Padre Pio? Do you think, does, does that young man have the gravitas that we associate with Padre Pio? So do you really think it's a coincidence that this kid is playing Padre Pio? Now, I pray that the movie is as good as I hope it is. I pray that what was seen, because I, I, I think it was Matt Gaspers when he was talking on the rundown, that there might that there may be some things that were very not saint-like going on. Um, I haven't seen any of the like I haven't seen anything any anything from the film or anything like that. So I don't I have absolutely no uh, no point of reference for that. But when I look at the whole scenario, I mean, let's be real. Who would be like the least likely dude? Can you think of someone in Hollywood who would be less likely? Less likely than Shia LaBeouf. If you can. You know, somebody who's, mind you, somebody whose name recognition is up on that level. Because Shia LaBeouf becoming a Catholic, everybody immediately, oh, Transformers kid? Disturbia kid? Eagle Eye kid? Constantine kid? I mean, those are the those are the roles that immediately came to my mind. Specifically, mostly the Transformers. But Transformers, Constantine, Eagle Eye, Disturbia. Mostly Transformers. That's the kid? Okay. We'll go with it. Who knows? Either way. <laughs> However you feel about the kid, we'll see. Unlike most of us, his sins are not good. His sins are going to be public. All of the scandals, all of the weirdness, all every little bit of every, every little bit of hokiness, all of that stuff's going to happen in the public, and it's going to happen specifically to discredit him, or it's going to launch him to superstardom. Maybe somewhere in between. But if this young man truly is a convert to the traditional Catholic faith. There's going to be a lot coming out to try and discredit him. A lot. So we'll see. Maybe he'll get to slide under the radar. I'm hoping his career slows down enough that he can really, really take time out to focus his faith. Not just to focus on the faith, but to focus his faith into a meaningful weapon. Because he's going to need it. Because there's probably not a more... Di I think the only more di the only greater diabolical space than Hollywood is Washington, D.C. He's in one of the two main hornet's nests of spiritual warfare. So we'll see. 
But it's interesting that he converts to Catholicism now. That there's a prominent actor who converts not just to Catholicism, but becomes a traditionalist visibly now. Now he's, to be sure, let's be real. He's not gonna be like, he's not filling a holy card anytime soon, okay? We got it. I mean, unless he's martyred, in which case then, yeah, he'll, be, he'll fill a holy card really fast. But he's not filling a holy card anytime soon. But the conversion of a Hollywood actor to the traditional Catholic faith in a time of traditionis custodis If that's not a clarion call, if that's not a motivator for traditional Catholics to don their armor, pick up their shield, and draw their sword, I don't know what is. I really don't. Because if, and we can't know his heart, but if his conversion is real, if he becomes a warrior for the faith, if he proves out to be everything that he could be, if all of the best outcomes come to pass from a, from a spiritual perspective, is he going to be the new Joan of Arc? No. He doesn't have to be. I don't think we're in. I don't think we're at that point in the war just yet. But it does seem to be the timing just seems a little right. It seems just about right that someone in that someone in the movie industry decided they were going to make a Padre Pio film. And they were going to pick this kid who would then undergo a conversion. Again, real or fake, honestly, I don't think it really matters because it's going to be between him and God. I know that Bishop Barron did not miss the beat, which is why he released his interview on the Feast of St. Genesius, the actor saint. I have a hard time believing that there would be someone as erudite as Bishop Barron who would miss that opportunity. A patron saint of actors. An actor who was baptized for a performance and then ended up professing the faith to the point where he would be martyred. Now, it could be orchestrated. Honestly, let's be real, who cares? Who cares? Think about it. Does it really matter? But something like that does serve as a clarion call. Because despite Baron's best efforts, the kid was a messenger for Catholic tradition. For the mass of the ages. Let me switch to my Hollywood movie announcer voice. In a world with traditionis custodis, 
where the Latin mass is being persecuted on all sides, an unlikely avenger rises from the darkness to proclaim to the modernist forces. They're not trying to sell me a car. Yes, I know it's kind of a anticlimactic sort of conclusion to that one. But I don't think there was anything he could have said that was more profound. In this world, in this day and age, knowing full well the trials and tribulations that we're headed towards, knowing full well that these very may well be the last years before the prophecies at Fatima come to fruition, at a minimum, the prophecies at Fatima, at Akita, and Quito, at a minimum, those, at a minimum, the prophecies of La Salette, at a minimum, those prophecies. And I say at a minimum because, of course, none of those prophecies are de fide. The problem is, is that the condition of the world is far worse than it has been at any other time, save except, the exception being, in the days of Noah. But most of us understand that we are fast becoming those people. That this generation will exceed itself in wickedness beyond the, the, the dreams and nightmares of any other human being in human history. We are quickly approaching where our corruption is equal to that of Noah. And when we reach that point, assuming we haven't already, that's pretty much when God draws back the curtain. The problem is, the problem for those of us who are kind of aware of the way this stuff is supposed to come to pass, every last one of us who talk about the prophecies of Fatima, we understand that yes, there should be, like the prophecies of Fatima don't say anything about that being the end, that's a wrap and there's and no more. They don't say anything like that. The prophecy of Fatima, La Salette, Akita, Quito, Kibejo, none of them, none of them, Hid, Nock, None of them say that in this time that this is going to be a wrap, that this is the end. Marie-Julie Jehenny does not say that in any of her prophecies. The problem is that the extremity of the wickedness of mankind in this day and age lend itself to knowing that it might be we may be fast approaching the final curtain call that the prophecies the Mary, the, of, of the Marian apparitions and of the visionaries the prophecy this may well be it it's not outside the realm of possibility as I'm want of saying there is, in fact, a non-zero chance that we are rapidly approaching the end. Do I think so for certain? In this, in this realm? I mean, honestly, it, it does kind of put me a little bit out of my depth. 
You want to talk you want to talk about war? You want to talk about global conflict? You want to talk about those things? I'm much more comfortable with those things. You want me to start talking about the divine? I'm fully aware of my lack of depth in this in this particular avenue. But when I compare when I compare most of what's said about God and Christ and Christ's church and I compare that with what I know to be the things that come to pass on the natural battlefield, knowing full well that everything that happens on earth is a prefigurement or a callback to something within heaven. I don't know that within heaven was quite the right word. I'm going to go with it anyway, though. But knowing full well that the things that transpire on earth are either prefigurements or callbacks to everything going on in the divine plan, it gets to be a little bit more scary. Particularly since, let me go ahead and pump the brakes on the whole world coming to an end and Christ drawing back the curtain thing. I'm not in the whole world. I'm in the United States of America. And what I see in the United States of America indicates to me that it doesn't matter if Christ is about to return here shortly. The fact is, is the apocalypse, in its more colloquial, secular sense, is about to come straight through the front door, right into the living room of my own nation. We are about to reap it. And it stands to reason because we have sown the seeds of this discontent globally for the last 106 years. And the funny part about it is, is based on the legislation that has just passed in the last few months, it looks to be that in year 107, the bow is about to break. The camel's back is about to snap. The last grain of sand is going to get dropped on the barge and it's going to sink. Do I know precisely what it looks like? No. The problem is, like I was saying at the beginning of this, before I got sidetracked on all that other stuff, the problem is, is we have, we can coalesce into an army to fight a civil war akin to the Cristeros or the Vendée. And we can do so quickly. And some would argue preemptively. I gotta be honest with you, it's not preemptive when they've already taken the actions that they're going to take. And it's simply a matter of the effects catching up. We're not, check it out, look. It does not look like they have already drawn first blood. Most people, for some reason, and maybe it's the normalcy bias or the optimism bias or some other clouding, clouding to their judgment, most people do not realize that the first blood has already been drawn. That they have already made the formal declaration of war against the American citizen. They've already done it. It is done. It is now a matter of time for the effects of that formal declaration, for the effects of all of those actions that they have determined that they are going to take for those effects to now come to pass. We are in that interim quiet before the storm. 
Does it feel like they've drawn first blood yet? Well, admittedly, if you have to choose between putting food on your table and, and putting gasoline in your fuel tank so you can go to work and continue to put food on your table, you might understand that they've already drawn first blood. But for most of the rest of us, that hasn't happened yet. For some people, particularly in cities like Minneapolis or St. Louis or Chicago or New York or Baltimore or San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, etc., you might not necessarily think that they've already drawn first blood, despite the blood that is spilled in your streets because of the actions that they have taken over the last two to three years already. Despite the fact that there is real blood being spilled in those streets, you may still not believe that they have already drawn first blood. I got it. I understand. There is that normalcy bias, that optimism bias. There is that want of humankind to continue to suffer things so long as they are sufferable. And apparently your pain threshold is a little bit higher than most. And, I, and you know what? Kudos to you. Kudos to you. I, on the other hand, cannot look out at what is happening to my country and feel no kind of way about it. I did not fight for the Great Reset. I did not fight to see Black Lives Matter murder 34 people in the streets of America through their billions of dollars in cost for rioting. I did not fight for three lesbian witches to cook up a scam on race baiting so that they could buy man million dollar mansions. I did not fight for that. I did not fight for the federal government to put 87,000 more IRS agents in, into its employ and put guns in their hands. There's no point when I was serving in the U.S. Army that I would have thought that that was going to be a good outcome. And there is no way that that is going to be a good outcome. So I get it. It's not the easiest thing. It's not the easiest thing to look around and realize, oh, holy crap, things are really going to hell, and I might actually have to do something about it. And as I said before, six million dead, another 18 million wounded, which, by the way, is your standard battlefield numbers of, you know, whatever your, whatever your KIA estimates are going to be, plus your... Uh, plus three times that for injured. It's a fairly it's it's a fairly standard battlefield assumption. That also puts the number at sub ten percent, which is also a very sta standard battlefield assumption. When you're planning for war, those are the norms. Ten percent of the population would be about thirty million. A little bit less than that because a little bit less than that because some of the people are going to flee. Some of the people are going to fight. Some of, the some of the people are going to do what they can to help pick up the mess while the mess is being made. And so it, it all kind of averages out in the end. Those are approximately the numbers. But I want you to compare 6 million dead with 120 million dead, 150 million dead. Actually, before I have you compare those two, let me explain where I get the number for 150 million dead. In the first place, 
one of the main battle simulations or one of the main strategic simulations is to find out exactly how many people could survive if the entire power grid in America was taken out coast to coast. Now, that's accounting for some little pockets here and there that might, might still be able to provide their own power, but as a rule in general, from San Francisco to Washington, D.C., from Bangor, Maine to Los Angeles, to Seattle, all the way down to Miami, as a rule, if the entire grid within those, within those bounds were to be taken out, the strategic war game illustrated that 150 million people would die of starvation within a year. Now, what is that scenario based off of? That is actually based off of a nuclear strike over the heartland of America where, where the weapon is not de detonated to, to destroy ground to kill people, but is in fact detonated at a, at a higher altitude in order to disable the infrastructure. Now, I will tell you, I have had a lot of pushback from a lot of people who honestly think that we've had more than enough time to plan for this and that they had to and that they must have already done something about it. To which I ask them, do you honestly believe that the federal government who knew that Social Security was a Ponzi scheme that was going to collapse in the next 10 years, literally the next 10 years, 2032, who knew that it was going to collapse in the next 10 years back in 1993 and have done nothing to fix it, do you think that the same federal government who has known that Social Security will be completely insolvent and incapable of paying not one red cent to a single beneficiary in 2032 and has known that since 1993 and have done nothing in the last 30 years would somehow have done something in the last 15 years to bolster the infrastructure despite the very obvious proof to the contrary since they continue to use infrastructure spend they for the last three no, like no joke seriously i want you to think back the last three to four years what have everybody been talking about infrastructure 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 we need to rebuild our roads we need to fortify our electrical system we need to make sure we have clean water and we have clean air and blah 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 and we have this and that and the other I want you to drive through your town and I want you to tell me exactly how good your streets are. How much of that infrastructure spending actually got spent to make sure that bridges don't collapse? Surely there's some. I mean, they repaved a whole big, I think, 50-mile stretch of I-65 in Indiana. But the potholes in Indianapolis will break the axle off your car. Shake yourself awake for just a moment and realize that the same people who have been campaigning to do these things were campaigning to do those things year after year after year after year. 
Infrastructure spending has been on the docket as a major talking point for politicians since, since at least as far back as 2012. When we had some major bridges start collapsing across America. Now, on the flip side, let's also keep in mind that when they do actually spend money on infrastructure, you get stuff like Alaska's bridge to nowhere that was dreadfully over budget and still unfinished. And that's the government that you trust has taken the opportunity to spend billions and billions of dollars going from coast to coast to reinforce the infrastructure so that on the off chance that somebody does detonate a nuke in the atmosphere over the center of America, it does not somehow wipe out the entire power grid from coast to coast. For those of you who don't know how that would be actually a thing, understand that an electromagnetic pulse from a nuclear weapon is still particularly devastating at a radius of 1,800 miles and a diameter of 3,600 miles. And to be sure, not everything's going to get immediately knocked out. Just like it wasn't immediately knocked out when the whole thing went down, the fr- when, the, when, when they popped off their test, I think it was a Bikini Island, the whole thing didn't go down. They had fuses. Ugly, nasty, ginormous metal fuses. <laughs> and we have modernized quite a bit. But modernization has actually made you know, current technology more susceptible to electromagnetic radiation. In fact, I want you to take your cell phone and pop off, if you have it in a cell phone case or something like that, pop it off and look at the back cover. And in the back cover at the bottom, you'll see something that says, something to the effect that says that it is FCC regulation, yada, yada, ooh, compliant. Go ahead and take a look at it. If you look at your radio, your television, your computer, when you look at your car, go out and pick up a car stereo. You'll find the same disclaimer that it's compliant and will not conduct, will not send interference, significant interference. The systems that we use to keep our lives running from day to day are designed to not interfere with other bigger systems. But in order for them to not interfere with those other bigger systems, they must be capable of being interfered with by larger electromagnetic radiation bursts. They have to be susceptible rather than making other things susceptible. And that's true of your cell phone, it's true of your computer, it's true of your your car radio, it's true of your television. It's flatly true. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You think those are the people? Those government those government people who cannot agree on the color of poop. You think those are the people who managed to re to re renovate and, and reinforce the infrastructure system in the United States of America. Dear family, this is not one I told you so that I want to tell you. But soon enough I will be able to say, I told you so. So I'm going to go ahead and say it now. I told you so. You're like, told us what? We're like, you'll see. <clears throat> One nuke. One nuke. And you don't get 8 million people. I mean, you might get 8 million people. If they strike a city, you might get 8 million people. But one nuke detonated in the air, and you get a whole lot more than 8 million people. Now, why is that? It's not to say that your automobile is suddenly going to stop working and you'll never get it started again. In truth, there are only a couple of systems that you would actually have to replace. A starter relay, maybe the starter. Some fuses that might get overloaded. Your radio is probably not going to work right. A few other systems might go a little wonky. If you're driving one of those heavily computerized cars, well, then I feel for you. Um, even, but even if you're not, like if you're driving an old car that's maybe 30, 30 or 40 years old, you'll notice that, you know, some things will still get taken out, will still be heavily affected, and other things probably not so much. I'm pretty sure if you're driving a Tesla, um, it'll be okay-ish. 
ish. Pretty sure that autopilot's not going to work as well anymore. But we'll see. We don't even know for sure. It's too soon to tell. Like, oh, they reinforced this and they got that and the other. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. I haven't had an opportunity to test some of this technology against an actual smaller load because as soon as I did, I would start to get the attention of people whom I don't want their attention. In truth, though, I probably should just to get the tests out of the way, just so I know. But we'll see. We don't even have to go to the nuclear to the nuclear war level. I bring up the nuclear war because I bring up the nuclear war level, the like the dropping one nuke right over the heartland of America. And to be sure, I could be completely mistaken. Maybe it doesn't do anything. I find that highly unlikely because we've done jack and squat for making sure that our actual infrastructure is as robust as it needs to be. More than that, Look at what's been happening to our energy grid anyway. The University of Michigan has discovered a way to treat the resins that are used to make windmill blades and recycle them into gummy bears and sports drinks. And let that marinate just for a moment in your head. A windmill, one of those diabolically just ugly things that you see the tractor trailers with the super long trailers carrying those those ridiculous looking fan blades that fan blade can be recycled into gummy bears do what are you serious right now is anybody anybody going to be the second person to try that out because the first person to try it out was the guy who actually developed the, the, who developed the process himself. It's like, it should be just like this. Yum, 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 yum. Gummy bears from windmills. It's super green. Oi. But notwithstanding the recyclable windmill thing, the replacement of much of our power grid, reliable power supplies, you know, like coal and gas and nuclear. The replacement of them by gummy bears that's doing what to our electrical grid? What did that actually do to Texas? I mean, to be sure, you had that meme that meme-tastic image of the frozen windmill because they didn't bother winterizing it because they're like, eh, this is Texas. How bad could it get? Learned that lesson. But the fact is, is it's not like the windmills were generating sufficient power in the first place. It's not like all of the windmills suddenly crapped out and froze up. It was just some of them. Some of them went completely toes up. But that was enough. In addition to the fact that they just weren't getting the panache from the windmills in the first place to actually keep people's homes heated. And anybody who was there, they remember. They remember. It was below freezing and that it was near freezing in their house. In Texas, I got nothing but love for you. But you people are known. You have a football team called the Oilers. Well, they're not the Oilers anymore. They should still be the Oilers. 
Texas is known for its oil, and you did what? Oh, we're going to build solar panels and windmills. Yay! Stupid. And they've been pushing us in this direction so much. What did they say this year? They said, oh, yeah, expect brownouts and blackouts. This last week, I actually suffered from a couple of them. It's actually a good thing that a lot of the stuff I have is battery-powered because if I was depending on the power grid to keep my alarm clock running, I'd have never made it to work. But what happens when all that stuff that's failing <laughs> that's failing already continues to be stripped down. Gavin Newsom just released a video and, oh, goodness gracious, if I, uh, I wish I could reach through the screen and rip his throat out. I wish that was a thing. Because, oh, that scumbag. We're going, we're, we are banning all, the sale of all gasoline-powered cars by this year. All right, stupid. You guys don't have enough electricity for your homes. You're going to start banning gas-powered cars? So, I'm going to get a choice between keeping my house warm and getting to work, in addition to having a choice... <laughs> that's a nice... Actually, come to think of it, that's a nice change of pace. It's a nice change of pace to go from having to choose as to, uh, between putting food on my table or gas in my car. Well, no problem. I won't have to worry about putting gas in a car. That's great. But I'll have to worry about putting heat on in the house or air conditioning on in the summer. Oh, they'll ban air conditioning. Never mind. Forget about that. So I'll have to worry about putting he heating the house and being able to... Do you see where this is going? They're just peeling it apart. They're just breaking the whole thing apart. And eventually, we're going to reach that critical mass point. And it's part of the plan. This is a feature of the plan. These are not... For the love of all things holy... Can we please put it out of our mind that these are anything other than the actual features of the plan? You cannot continually to make the same bad decisions and go, oops, we didn't know that was going to happen. Yes, you did. It happened the, th the 30 other times you made that dumb choice. Now it's not a dumb choice anymore. Now it's deliberate. Now it's on purpose. Now we can prove malice. I didn't know. Well, how'd you miss it? Sri Lanka just did this four years ago. Now look at th now look at them. They're in total chaos. How did you miss it? Venezuela just done this about a decade before. Now they're in chaos. How'd you miss it? Nigeria a decade before that. How'd you miss it? They're in chaos. Liberia half a decade before them. How'd you miss it? They're in chaos. Somalia. <laughs> like you can run down the list. Greece almost fell off the pit. If it wasn't if it wasn't for the International Monetary Fund, oh, and it wasn't just Greece. It was Portugal, Spain, Italy, Ireland, Greece. Five nations all did the same thing, and they almost all fell off the deep end. And they would have fallen off the deep end had it not been for Germany, who this time around is doing the same dumb thing they did 20 years ago. What do you think is going to happen in Europe this time when there is no Germany to hold everybody up? Because now Germany 
Holland, Denmark, Spain, Portugal, France, Italy, Greece. Now they're all doing it. Who's going to hold it up now? Hungary? They're not big enough. Who's going to hold it up now? Poland? They're not big enough either. They're almost big enough, but they're, never, but they're really not. And Poland's kind of sidetracked right now because they're doing other dumb stuff that's crippling them. So who exactly is going to hold up the European Union? You think Estonia, Latvia are going to? You think Sweden's going to? I love Sweden. Sweden is a remarkable location. Beautiful countryside, magnificent people, rich, rich history. But you're not going to hold up the entirety of the European Union with Sweden or Norway, or Finland, or Denmark. And certainly not going to do it when Norway, Finland, and Denmark are all doing the same dumb crap that the Netherlands is doing, that Austria is doing, that Italy is doing, that Liechtenstein is doing. At some point, somebody has to decide to go the other way and try to help as many people as possible. In the past... Well, actually, in the recent past, it was Germany. Before that, it was generally the United States. But if we're doing it, Canada's doing it, Mexico's doing it, if South America's doing it, North America's doing it, Europe's doing it, even to a degree, now, mind you, you know, we all talk, we all talk about Vladimir Putin, and, oh, hey, yeah, this, that, and the third. Well, he's doing it, too. China's already done it. Their comeuppance is coming quickly. So who, pray tell, is going to be the one to manage to keep the worst of all from happening? The answer is no one. No one. So when our grid collapses, there's no one. When the government launches its bureaucratic troops like the army of darkness that it is, I mean, I don't know about you, but I remember seeing the video, the video footage of protests in Venezuela. I watched a cop curb stomp a dude. And my first thought was, that is why we have a Second Amendment. Because that cop and all that riot gear and all that extra ballistic padding would not have been able to do squat. Even with 500 of them. I'll drop a thousand cops in this city and see how well that works against a hundred thousand protesters with guns. How'd that go? Not too good. Swing and a miss. We were eradicated. And every one of these countries that has protests popping off, the Netherlands, which, by the way, part of the reason why it was so shocking for a 16-year-old kid to be shot at by a Dutch cop is because there's nobody on earth who thinks of the Dutch as violent, crazy fanatics. There's nobody who thinks, there's nobody on earth. When you think of the Dutch, think about this. When I think of the Dutch, it's tulips and apple pie. I mean, granted, the apple pie is a little more American, you know, it's American Dutch. But either way, the fact is, is that when I think of the Dutch, you know what I don't think of? I don't think of the freaking Gestapo. Although admittedly, I never thought of American cops for the longest time. I never thought of them as the Gestapo either. But times, they are changing. And it's not going to be long 
truly it's not. It's not going to be long till all of this is irreversible. And if we let them bring it all to pass, you're talking about the collapse of our economy. You're talking about the collapse of the energy grid. You're talking about the collapse of society. And the reason why you're talking about the collapse of society is because you're talking about no food. You're talking about no clean water. You're talking about no heat in the winter and nothing to keep you cool in the summer. You're talking about being stripped of everything that a prosperous society that every single American will remember. We will all remember that we had these things. We will all remember that it wasn't too long ago that we could gallivant across a thousand miles on a whim. Hey, we're going over to see Grandma in, in Pawtucket. Where's Pawtucket? Well, it's 1,800 miles away. We're going to take a road trip across the coast. We're going to get on an airplane, and we'll be there in a couple hours. Everyone in America remembers a time. We'll remember a time. Everyone, I mean, think about this for just a minute. We're not talking about this is going to be 300 years from now. We're talking about this coming to pass starting next year. We're talking about this being fully formed in 10 years. Can you name for me an American 10 years from now who is actually old enough to talk, who's not going to remember at one point in time that you could just get in a car and drive across the country? That if you wanted to pick up and move and you wanted to go out to Hollywood to make your riches or you wanted to go to D.C. to protest whatever or you wanted to go to Florida to enjoy the beach or to California to enjoy the surf. No one in that time is not going to remember that once upon a time, just a mere five years ago, these things were possible. They weren't odd side effects of America. They were features of America. In large part, they were the features that brought us to believe that we were better than everybody else in human history and therefore brought about our own downfall. But everyone who is alive, all the few people who will still be alive in those days will remember that it wasn't that long ago that we regularly sent people into space. that you could pull out a little slim black device about the size of a very small prayer book from the Middle Ages. And you could communicate with someone around the world, live, in real time. You think we're not gonna remember that? Do you honestly believe it? Seriously, let's be real for just a moment. All those kids who are doing TikTok videos, who are TikTok influencers, you think they're gonna forget that once upon a time they got to dance around and be happy and make money? Literally for dancing around and being happy? Think about it. I mean, granted, some people have been on there and they're like, Oh, you're the people they hold us about! I got it. But the kids... This, the 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year olds who are TikTokers and YouTubers who are making five and ten and fifteen thousand dollars doing what? Dancing around getting silly, jumping off of buildings into pools, 
doing crazy stuff, fun stuff, having fun. And if you doubt me, I mean, find an expendable device and download TikTok onto it and just scroll through and you tell me what you see. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of left-wing stupidity. But you're also going to see a lot of beautiful people doing a lot of beautiful things. A lot of things that are going to look fun and exciting, that are going to be funny. They're going to make you cry or make you smile. And all of those people who successfully do it over a long period of time, they're making money just by having fun. Do you honestly believe in five years, those 16-year-olds are going to forget that they were able to make money just by doing videos of themselves having fun? You think they're going to forget that? I mean, they may not survive the outcome. To be sure, most of them seem very ill-equipped indeed. But the auto demolition that's coming to the United States of America is probably going to hit them the hardest, psychologically speaking, as well it should. Because you're talking about, think about this for a moment, 10 years ago, we were just getting into the YouTube thing. Like YouTube was really coming into its own where people were making money on YouTube. People are making money on YouTube doing what? Doing basically the same thing I'm doing right here, talking. But not everybody's making money. Some people are just doing it just to do it. But there were enough to catch people's attention and make them realize that you could make money. There were enough people who noticed that this was a new avenue. Granted, it's vapid. There's not a whole lot to it. It's shadows and dust and light and just, you know, mirages and illusions, by and large. It's not doing anything real. And that's one of the reasons why I think the TikToker's probably not going to make it, but they're going to remember that it used to be so much easier. They're going to remember that they didn't have to deal with all the craziness. They didn't have to deal with some of the chaos that's getting ready to come their way. They're going to remember it. It might be the last thing they recall before they die, but they are going to remember it. And all of us who were prepared, who saw it coming, people who saw it coming better than I did, before I did, well before I did, those who spent their time like Noah going unvindicated, for years and decades. The moment they take a look and they look around, they go, wait a minute, this used to be so much nicer. We used to have beauty in the world. And a lot of them are saying we used to have beauty in the world already. The likes of Tim Pool, Tim Pool hasn't given up on it. I don't think he's, honestly, I don't think he's going about it the right way. But who am I to say? Who, honestly, who am I to say? He might be the new multimedia mogul. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. It was never my bag. I never was really all that interested in it. So I don't really sweat it. But all of these people are going to remember when things were not just a little bit better, but much better. They're going to remember 
when they got that little dividend check from YouTube for their ad revenue, they got that little bit of extra that little bit of extra money. They're going to remember that once upon a time they had subscribe subscription services that actually made them real money. Let me put this in perspective. Radio Free Catholic has a subscription service right now. You you can find the link in the descri- in the description of the video, okay? The pr- subscription service is set at $1 a month. Now, Acast is going to take their part. I'm going to get my part, whatever. I don't know exactly how much goes to who, to who, to where. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. What I do know is that if I had 10,000 people paying $1 a month, ostensibly I'm grossing $10,000 a month on Radio Free Catholic. Two years ago, if I was grossing $10,000 a month, three years ago, if I was grossing $10,000 a month with Radio Free Catholic on a dollar a month subscription, holy crow. Something like that is life-changing. I'm not saying, hey, hey, give me a dollar. I'm not saying it to say that. I'm actually only saying that to illustrate that some of the that some of these people on YouTube, some of these people doing podcasts, some of these people with their own websites who have subscription services like the Crusade Channel or wherever. And I say some of the bigger like the bigger entities like Remnant TV or whatever, they're bigger entities, they're slightly different. Their business models different. But to the kid, and in this guy I'm going to say anybody out 30 and under, to the kid who's been on TikTok or YouTube or whatever and has been making and has literally got subscriptions for for one and five dollars a month and has 10 or 20,000 subscribers. Let's go with the five dollars a month because that seems to be a very common number that everybody, somewhere in there that everybody seems to put. Okay, so five dollars a month and I've got 10,000 subscribers. That's $55,000 a month. Now, after you take it out all the other stuff, all, you know, taxes, etc., blah, 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 this, that, and the other, and you pay all the other sources that you have to pay, you're looking at probably $30,000 a month. Now, if you're 18, 17 years old, and you're making $30,000 a month making, you know, some form of cat video or something that is as valuable as a cat video, not denigrating cat videos, but everybody, like, we can all look at it and go, okay, yeah, kind of, yeah, okay, got it. Like, you can look at that and go, okay, got it. You're making $5,000, $10,000, $20,000 a month. Jumping on trampolines, throwing stuff, throwing stuff off of buildings, uh, you know, firing lasers or whatever. I'm throwing all this out there because these these have been all of my guilty pleasures on YouTube over the past few years. Or dance videos or, you know, whatever. In five years when you don't have the electricity to power the phone, to record the video, to make the content and derive the money, If you were doing this three years ago and you're making $20,000 a month and you're 17 years old, and five years from now, you're 25 years old and you've got nothing, literally nothing. There was a total economic collapse. You don't have enough, you, you, you don't have enough 
money, you, you didn't have enough basically to have a wind-up generator to keep everything going. Oh, hey, by the way, even if you had the generator to keep everything going, who's got the cell phone to watch the video? How much of a change is that in someone's life? And to be sure, there aren't a lot. No, actually, that's not true. It's not true at all. If you scroll through YouTube and you see young, youngish people, 20s, maybe, you know, teenagers, 20s, in their 20s, or maybe in their early 30s, and they've got channels on YouTube or TikTok, and they've got 1.2 million subscribers. You got 1.2 million subscribers, your ad revenue not counting any subscription service or whatever, your ad revenue is, is looking at twenty to $30,000 a month. Just the dividend. If 25%, and typically the number's right around one third, if one third of the subscribers are paying, what's one third of 1.2 million people? If a third of 1.2 million people, that's 400,000 people, if they're all only contributing a dollar a month, usually they're not. Usually it's more than that. You know what? Let's give the benefit of the doubt. Let's say it's, it's not a third. Let's say it's 10%. 5%. Five percent seems more reasonable. 5% is roughly 60,000 people. If 5% of the subscribers are paying are paying for some other additional content, 60,000 people paying 5 or $10 a month. And typically 5 or $10 a month, like $10 a month is has been by far the most common number I've seen. So if 60,000 people are paying $10 a month, $600,000 a month. After whatever taxes and fees, it's probably $400,000 a month. There are very likely, in all honesty, a couple of smart kids, if only, if only 5% of the kids who are doing this stuff are smart. There are people generating to the tune of $100,000 a month regularly. Regularly. I mean, these kids basically are elites. I mean, what do you call somebody who's making $100,000 a month? Not $100,000 a year, $100,000 a month. Where do you think all that money is about to go? Because, fun fact, no power, no internet. No food, who cares? I never really want to get too deep 
into all the financial rigmaroles of being electric. In fact, actually, the main reason why I do this mostly on my own, why I pay for this with a day job, is so that I don't have to think about the craziness that would happen to my life if I was just a podcaster making money off of subscription services and, and all that. I don't even want to think about it. Now, if you want to donate, cool. If you've got the extra money and God puts it on your heart that, hey, this is the kind of guy you want to support, cool. Links are in the description. They're in the description on the podcast. You might even be able to track it down on RadioFreeCatholic.com. Why did I not put a link for that stuff? Because you got to come look for it. But you have to really want. God has to really put it on your heart. Because I'm not looking for the payment. I'm just not. <clears throat> Seems unreasonable. Oof. Oh, my, all my old episodes are gone, so I don't have, like, the other ways of actually... Oh, actually, you can also find me on PayPal. I almost forgot. Like, if you really want... If Radio Free Catholic has a PayPal business account. Just saying. If you really want to do it that route, go for it. Think I'm going to stop you? No. Just going to put the money where it needs to go. <sighs> Anyhow. Back to the bigger topic. I'm digressing again. All of these people who have these shiny happy lives, as it were, they're about to encounter something that they've never encountered before. And it's going to roll out over the next 10 years. So these 16, 17, 18-year-olds who are doing all this stuff, who are highly active and, you know, boisterous and living life to the fullest and managing to make money actually by living life to the fullest, they're going to watch this go to hell in a handbasket. in a few years and they're going to be appalled. There's going to be a remnant of these kids who remember America when she was this technological, economic, and military superpower. This isn't going to be like the fall of Rome that happened over several hundred years. This is going to go like the fall of Saigon. It's going to go like the fall of Venezuela, the fall of Nigeria, the fall of Liberia. Because unlike, like, no joke, when you look at all these people, who have they put in all of the places of power? Have they put smart people there? Really? You think they have? They, will, they weeded out the dissenters from the military by forcing the jab. They weeded out the dissenters from the police force with Black Lives Matter. Defund the police. Oh yeah, and the jab. Kind of did a trifecta on the police department. They've been weeding out the federal government, all of those bureaucratic agencies, over time. 
for a very long time. So you've got the federal agencies who are against you. You've got the local, you've got many of the local agencies which are against you. Not because they really wanted to be against you, but because, let's be real, they didn't really have a choice. They were going to manage to weed out the people who would defect. The education system's against you. The banks are against you because they're just, because literally, let's be real for just a moment. Everything that's been going on over the last several years, you think bankers don't realize their whole crap is about to fall apart? You think they're, do you, do you honestly believe that they don't already know that they have to do whatever they can to hedge their bets in order to keep themselves solvent enough to get by? They're not brilliant thinkers. They're little money grubbers, just like everybody else. Just like everybody else in their industry. They're all grubbing for money. Now, some have managed to maneuver themselves into tremendous positions of power. And those are the George Soroses and the Bill Gateses. But Bill Gates is largely of a mediocre intellect. And George Soros, if he was actually smart, would have built himself a lasting empire by making sure that he had lots of kids and that those kids had primogeniture. Instead, he's got, what, one kid? One kid who seems to be worthy of taking over his empire, and that kid is a moron. Well, he likes to sound erudite. I've seen this dude in videos. He's just another woke. They're not particularly bright. Which means that Soros didn't even do himself the favor of making sure that his own progeny could carry the torch. And why would he? He was pretty sure he was going to be able to dominate the world by himself. And it'd be perfectly okay. And by now, they would have transhumanified the earth so that he would already be immortal. But that didn't quite work out for him. Just didn't. He's not the only one. The only dynasty that did anything to make sure that its legacy was secure. Think about this. Of all of the people through, throughout time, where are the Rockefellers? They seem to be doing okay. I think they actually still have somebody in Congress. He's not the brightest. The Clintons? Unless, I, unless I'm mistaken, Bill and Hillary Clinton only had Chelsea. And she's a midwit. Pelosi. Any of her family get into politics besides her nephew, Gavin Newsom? Her nephew, Gavin Newsom? Where are all the kids? Oh, wait, that's right. One of them was with her on what on Air Force Three or whatever the hell they call it when they when it's the Speaker of the House flying. One of her kids was actually on that trip. Okay, so maybe there's somebody who's going to be able to take up the mantle. Maybe. But the Clinton dynasty dies with Bill and Hillary Clinton because Chelsea is just not good enough. The Rockefellers are kind of doing okay. They still got somebody in Congress. One person in public life. 
in the whole world. The Kennedys, meh, they're all right. The ones who are doing really well don't actually have the Kennedy last name anymore. That's actually kind of tragic. But the only family still going appear to be the Rothschilds. Where are the other power players? Seriously, think about it. They're still there, to be sure. But Jeffrey Sachs, who's he connected to, family-wise? Klaus Schwab, who's he connected to? Emmanuel Macron, maybe. Boris Johnson, doubt it. Bill Gates, certainly not. I mean, he may have been involved, but he's not really connected, and who's connected to him? Every last one of them, they have one thing seriously in common. When they're done destroying the world, they too will be gone. That's it. <laughs> Everybody who's doing all this hippy-dippy 1960s Save the Earth Green New Deal garbage, everybody who's behind this. Yeah, you got some young people kind of up and coming who really want to push it, but do you honestly believe that Justin Trudeau is going <laughs> to... Do you think that substitute teacher has got the gumption to, lead it, to, to manage to keep a hold on his country once they pull off what they're trying to do? I mean, Macron might, maybe. <laughs> anyway, it's going to end. It's going to end and everybody's gonna remember it. Power grid fails for a year. 150 million people in America starve. That's just a fact. No electricity to run the pumps, no pumps to fuel the to push the fuel, no fuel in the vehicles, no, no vehicles to transport the food, no food for the people. Half of America dies. That's how it works. And that was before the jab. The jab, being of mRNA technology, having dreadfully failed in its previous iterations to treat Crohn's disease, lupus, and other illnesses, specifically autoimmune illnesses, the idea was that they were supposed to be able to do X, Y, and Z with your T cells so that, so that your body could actually better fight these diseases. Okay, cool. I mean, that was the same, that was the exact same promise with the COVID-19 so-called thing 
that they wanted to call a vaccine straight out of Pfizer, BioNTech, Janssen and Johnson and Johnson and Moderna. It's the same thing. But in all of those tests of the 200,000 people, and I've got the video, somebody was nice enough to send it to me on Telegram. I've got the video of one of the survivors, one of the five survivors, might actually only be four survivors. Every last one of them experienced their heart stopping. Well, that's weird. They experienced perimyocarditis. They experienced the blood clots. They experienced all the other things that what used to be a conspiracy theory until they found out they could blame it on Donald Trump. But it used to be a conspiracy theory that all these so-called vaccines did. And again, hat tip to the Macroaggressions podcast for displaying the numbers for talking about the numbers. So let's talk about the numbers. In the United States of America, 112, somewhere between 112 and 121 million people were vaccinated fully. A significant significant portion of them weren't just vaccinated, they were boosted. According to Dr. Robert Malone, who invented it, once you take the therapy, you can't turn it off. And so one shot is as deadly as 10 shots. And maybe that's true over time. I, God forbid. But let's say that it is. Let's run this mental game. Let's let's continue this simulation. Okay, so you have the global elites, you have all of these people, these higher up, high level mucky mucks across the government, across the federal government. We're just going to lo- we're just going to localize this to the United States, okay? And we're just going to focus on the domestic stuff. We're not going to really stoke the flames with all the foreign stuff. Just within the United States, you have the entire government that's moving towards the the deletion of of petrol based fueling. Petrol fuel, petroleum fuels, petroleum-based fuels, coal, etc. Okay, cool. But they're also making sure not to open the spigot for nuclear, which is going to be spectacularly well-founded. And they're replacing it with recyclable gummy bear windmills. They're also weaponizing the IRS, weaponizing the EPA, weaponizing the Department of Education, weaponizing the Department of Homeland Security. I mean, the Department of Homeland Security was a weapon anyway. But they're weaponizing all of these federal agencies. A lot of these federal agencies who we had no idea even had guns apparently have lots of guns and agents who are willing to use them. Roughly to the tune of a total armed fighting force of bureaucrats numbering larger than the United States Marine Corps. Which, I gotta tell you, I love the fact, I am I am enamored by the fact that I was the first one to talk about how it was roughly, how the IRS was roughly the size of the US Marine Corps, and then when you added everybody else up, you actually had a federal government of bureaucrats, armed bureaucrats, who outnumbered the Marine Corps, and then suddenly within a few days, I find that comparison everywhere. Now, I'm not saying they took it from me. There is such a thing as called the standalone complex, where more than one person has the same idea at the same time. And if my guardian angel shared that with others, or 
I had it shared with me from other, from, from, you know, my guardian angel carried it to me from somebody else's guardian angel. Dude, I don't care. It was just very nice to know that I was not the only one making the comparison to the United States Marines. <clears throat> and they're doing that at the same time that they're breaking up the electrical grid. And they're doing that at the same time that they're devaluing the dollar, not to a minor degree, but to an extraordinary degree. To where, in all honesty, the dollar is going to be worth less than Cottonelle toilet paper that you can buy at the store. And by the dollar, I mean any dollar. Any denomination of dollar will be worth less than Cottonelle toilet paper at the store. So it's not just going to be the $1 bill, because obviously the $1 bill is worth less, but it's probably going to be the $20 bill, the $50 bill, the $100 bill. All of that will be put to better use as toilet paper or as insulation to weave into your jacket and your clothing. Because remember, they are actually made of cloth, so you could conceivably weave them into the lining of your clothing so this way you could stay warm. And they will probably be far more valuable as clothing insulation, especially in a winter with no electricity. <laughs> than they will be for anything else. <laughs> the problem with them having done all of this, everything that they've done from the jabs to the superstructure, uh, the, the superstructure of government oversight, if you want to call it that, that they've managed to put into place. The fact is, we should pick the six million casualties in a civil war. The thing that really changed that game, because that was where my mind was two weeks ago was we could suffer 150 million people in starvation or we could fight back now and start to put this stuff right and suffer maybe 6 to 10 million dead. And then the revelation came that we're going to lose probably 120 million people regardless. Regardless of what we do over the course of the next 10 years, even if we were to right the ship, governmentally speaking, with the economy and all that other and all of the other material things, the fact is, is that we've already had a genocide perpetrated against the American people. And having had that genocide perpetrating its uh, been perpetrated, having been perpetrated against the American people, the fact is, is what's another six million? Are we really going to lose 150 million to starvation? Probably not 150 million. Maybe another 70 million, which will reduce our population by three quarters. Which, if you run the numbers in the, in the St. John's Apocalypse, is roughly the reduction rate found there. When you add up all the numbers, it comes out to about three quarters of the population of the Earth exterminated before the, final, before the final curtain call when Christ draws back the curtain, returns to Earth, and establishes the New Jerusalem.
If the beast that came out of the sea is the United States of America, which seems a reasonable way to describe it, just geographically speaking from where the, uh, from where the revelation was given to St. John. If the beast coming out of the sea is the United States of America, then the image of the beast is an American invention called the television. And you cannot argue against the idea that most people worship their television. Most people spend more time in front of the television than they spend at any church function, all of the church functions that they, sp that they spend their time at, be it Holy Mass or whatever. Most people spend more time in front of the television than they do at any extracurricular activity at all. And most extracurricular activities combined. People spend more time in, in front of their screens than they do in school or at work. And many of us, due to the nature of our job, spend time in front of our screens at work. Ergo, the image of the beast is actually present all the time. In all of our lives. And it's to that image that we give homage. It was... That revelation was made to me in the aftermath of a confession. When I, w when I went to the sacrament, that revelation was made to me. I didn't like how it was made to me. It was actually really horrifying. But it became readily apparent in a way I could no longer deny. Thereby confirming, I will only ever do audio only. Because even audio only is just a bit too much. We've lost the plot entirely as a species. The best of us have still lost the plot. Am I convinced that something is going to completely end my world in the next 10 years? Yes. Why? Because it's already happened once. Because I could see it coming the first time. Although, like a fool, I didn't repent the first time. My world had to end before I finally pulled my head that far out of my butt and realized, oh, hey, it's actually principally why I'm so concerned about making sure that I remember to pull my head out of my butt now rather than later so that I don't suffer that again. I'll tell you in part, I know it's not working. <clears throat> Whew, man, I really hate to be this droll. If you really look back at what I've said today, I've said that we can choose to, to sacrifice six million people in a bloody war trying to set our country right. Or we can wait for 150 million to die because once they're done destroying everything, that's going to be the death toll within the next few years. And then I wrapped it up with saying, oh, hey, by the way, if 
this thing about the mRNA technology is true, then we're actually going to lose 120 million in the next two to five years, regardless of whether or not there's a civil war. And we might lose an additional half the population because, well, let's be real, we're probably not going to fight as aggressively as we should. The only consolation that I have in all of this is that all of those people, all of those members of the forces of darkness, those bureaucrats with guns, every last one of those retards took the jab. And a goodly portion of them got boosted. So they go first. And it might make that civil war a little easier to win. But it's not going to make what's coming to America any less bloody. Fifty-five percent of the population, right about. Fifty-five percent. So if it's war, nuclear war that takes out the superstructure, or these people manage to take out the, you know, the total economic infrastructure in America, those will cost us forty-five to fifty percent. And then if it's the mRNA vaccine, if it's the mRNA uh, technology, then that's going to wipe out fifty to fifty-five percent. So no matter what, no matter how you slice and dice this, the worst-case scenario is that this actually takes out nearly statistically one hundred percent of the population. Now, statistically 100% is a lot different than actual 100%. Statistical 100% can basically be achieved if there are only about 500,000 people still left alive. Anything less than a half a million people left alive in the United States of America would, re would render the death toll in America effectively 100%. And it is not impossible, not outside of the realm of possibility, for the confluence of the mRNA technology and the total destruction of the American infrastructure to overlap and reach somewhere to the tune of 75 to 85%. It's not impossible. It's not even really unlikely. Oh, what an interesting thought I just had. I'll have to share that with you in another podcast. There's enough bad news in one podcast. Something about the beast out of the sea. Anyway. I can't tell you to get ready for it. How do you prepare for that? Seriously, how do you prepare for 50% of the population to just drop dead over the next two years? How do you prepare for 50% of the population just drop dead within the next 10 years? I mean, you're talking about a death toll of one to two million a month. How do you prepare yourself for something like that? At a death toll of one to two million per month, assuredly I say unto you, you will notice that catastrophe. So how do you prepare for that? Short answer. From a material standpoint, from a temporal standpoint, you don't. From a spiritual standpoint, you grab that rosary and you hold on tight and you pronounce it with all the fervor and love of a toddler. You want to prepare for what's coming? Get on your knees and pray.
There's no way, there's no other way to do it. You get on your, and here's the thing, you get on your knees and pray. If enough of us actually, truly, genuinely repent, if we tear our clothes and clothe ourselves in sackcloth and cover our heads in ashes and truly, truly repent, then maybe it doesn't happen. Maybe it happens, but less. But in the current path, in the current direction, at the current speed, the United States of America used to be the greatest empire, the most powerful empire in all of the history of mankind. Now look at them. And that'll be the statement of most countries around the world before you know it. Pray for the church. Make reparation for these United States. And pray that those of us in the public eye manage to stay true This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 